Hi, I'm Margaret Cho. You're listening to Monsters of Talk. I'm here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Jim Shaw. Jim, we're back in the Blue Room, and we have a very, very, very special guest here with us today. We are here with... Um, she does so many things, I can't even begin to start, but uh, let's just say her name, Lydia Lunch. Hi, Margaret. I'm Lydia Lunch. So glad to be here. I do do a lot of things. I'm very hyperactive. Well, you, you, you know, you do a lot of things. I mean, not just music, not just writing, not just... Um, not not just now different things that where you're you're teaching to you're workshopping you're um, traveling all over the world performing, um, but you've also been a great pioneer in terms of art and um, music and punk rock and so many things film. Um, literature, everything. I look at myself as a cultural cattle prod. I mean, that's how uh-huh. I've always felt. I mean, you know, since I began creating, I always have been creating and collaborating with people. I've always been somebody that has wanted to push other people to do things that they haven't done before. Yeah. Not only artistically, of course, but we, we won't even get into the sexual elements right yet. We'll talk about that later. But I've always felt myself as kind of a, a curatorial cultural cattle prod mm-hmm. to get people to, you know, just A, tell the truth, B, create without a budget, and get up there. To me, Art is the uni- is the salve to the universal wound. Yeah. So that's how I live my life. That's what I do, and I look for as many different ways to express myself and to be the voice, to be the scream of those that that are frustrated but don't know how to scream. So right. basically, that's I see myself artist, writer, they don't, I see myself as a journalist, be a hysterian, mm-hmm. and a historian. Yeah. That's how I view myself. I like hysterian. Glad to be hysterian here. Hysterian is great. Of my own hysteria and of, of the political hysteria. I mean, mm-hmm. that's always been my target of what right. I, th- I always felt from the age of 12 when I started writing, inspired by Hubert Selby and Janae and Henry Miller. I don't know how I found Last Exit Brooklyn at 12 in Rochester, New York, but I felt inspired by those writers mm-hmm. to tell the truth about life as I experience it and to do it from a female perspective, which I felt at the time. And I still feel pretty much there are not enough female voices right. describing our experience and how we see life in reality. And hence, why I know you, because mm-hmm. you talk about life as you live it from a feminine, female perspective mm-hmm. as an outsider. And yeah. that's what we are. Yeah. Here we are together. Here we are together. Hi, Actually, um, <laughs> Lydia also is very instrumental in my life. Um, she pushed me to Didn't know buy that. this house in Glendale. What? She, you are the person. You Do I have a room the, here for yes, what I for forever? <laughs> Artist and real estate. Person. Oh my god, I love you. <laughs> but you were the catalyst in me moving here because before I had moved here, I was still living in Hollywood, and then I was hanging out with you guys, and it was it was Emo Phillips' house with Carmi. Right. And we were talking about Glendale, and we were ah, talking about and I was living in Glendale. Here. Yeah, you were living in a craftsman here. house. You were down. You're actually down in the city, right? And this is a little bit out out of town. But uh, we, um, you know, you were talking about like everybody that was moving out here. The people that were here were like um, Lux and Ivy, Ivy right? They lived just in Glendale lived here, and then uh, I think Pat Smear just moved down the street. Okay, and so may I did not see. Now I'm here to collect my ten percent, yes. Margaret. Thank you very much. It only took ten years, but I'm patient. We know each other. Yes. Cool. I'm glad I got a room here. I told you a few minutes Forever. ago. Right now, I'm very nomadic. Yeah, I've been living in Barcelona for eight years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to live in Europe because I, I cannot support myself as an artist in America. I never could. Right. I mean, for the since Teenage Jesus, I brought Teenage Jesus to Europe. Mm-hmm. What's amazing to me is as a 17-year-old, 18-year-old, and I'll admit it, I had to give handjobs under the table to get the band to go to Europe. <laughs> I 
did what it, I had to do. Yeah. But so many bands at that time didn't have the, force, the, the forethought that we, they had to go to Europe. Mm -hmm. X never went to Europe. Mm -hmm. A lot of the New York bands never went to Europe. But I knew from Teenage Jesus in 1977, I got to bring every band to Europe if I right. have to pay for it. Right. Because ultimately, like most writers, that's where I'm going to end up because this country has, has, for the most part, pretty much ignored or rejected me for being too radically honest. Yeah. You know, the truth is not a popular commodity. You know that. Mm -hmm. You've managed to find a way through comedy. I'm a tragedian. I mean, I'm a stand-up tragedy. You're stand-up comedy. <laughs> um, but so, you know, I've lived in Barcelona for the past eight years because I need to support myself as an artist, and that's where I can do it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the whole point of that was, but there we go. But it's great. It's great that, that you um, experienced the world, and you have been so vibrant and so active for such a long time. And I remember my first experience with you, actually, my... My family owned a bookstore, and um, the, all of the gay kids that worked there were all super punk rock in San Francisco, and they, they um, handed me Adulterers Anonymous. And it was your poetry book with Exene. What's, I mean, just cut for <laughs> What's interesting to me about that is Exene and I wrote that when I was living in Highland Park in the early 80s. I'd left, I was in New York 77, 76, 77, and then left in like 80, moved out here, worked with Exene, wrote Adulterers Anonymous. Mm -hmm. What was, what made me very proud about that book was that it was released by Grove Press, Barney yeah. Rossett, who had released Hubert Selby, mm -hmm. Henry Miller, and had fought against censorship yeah. and that's why they even published this book which sold you know i guess a lot for a poetry book maybe a thousand copies was amazing but thank you go on i had i had one and it was a treasured treasured thing of mine i'm sure i still have it it's it's here it's like it's something that kind of uh introduced me to adulthood and i think you and i are probably very close in age i think you were just you, probably the very similar in age. I'll be 55 on Monday. I'm not so. shy to admit it. Look at how good we look. Honey, you look like you're about, what, 31? Oh, that's good. I'm 45. <laughs> but, oh, well, that's yeah, not, youngster, upstart. That's, that's not But um, so, you know, 55 is the new, what, 30? Yeah, look at it really is. Oh, Jim, what do you say? Looking good. Uh, you look and smell wonderful. Yeah. Ooh, honey, the taste, you would not believe. <laughs> we'll get to that later, We're Jim. we get all senses Ooh, on this Oh, darling. On this it's podcast. a sensory overload. But it's a really, um, it's a powerful book. And then I, I um, was, I think, when... When when we were first like getting to rent your own videos, I remember renting <laughs> fin Finger Ooh. and and and. Um, now, I want to ask you about that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you were already a creative mind. You mm -hmm. were you're younger than I am, but what did you make of Fingered? I thought it was great. I thought it was really like interesting. I thought it was really provocative. Fingered is a film so... I made with Richard Kern in the yeah. early '80s, and basically, go on. I want to hear your opinion, and then I'm going to say what it was and I what it is. I just thought it was fascinating. Like it was just like these people are so free that they can just do this, and they can make this movie. And obviously, like you were look, you looked like us. Like you, you looked like the kids that we were that were watching it. When I started to make films with Richard Kern, and uh, the I, I, I had I was in New York '76 through. Uh, 80. I came to LA for two years. I went to London for two years to work with Roland Howard and the birthday party. And then I went back to New York in 84. Mm -hmm. And and it was asking around because I was starting to curate spoken word shows. And I was looking for people who did small acts of violence to offset my shows. And I was introduced to Richard Kern, who was mm -hmm. already making films. So I wanted to make a film with Kern. I mean, this was when I was really just first starting to do public psychotherapy. I had just begun doing spoken word in, say, 82. My first spoken word piece was Daddy Dearest, which went right for the asshole of the matter mm -hmm. and and I felt 
that I had a psychosexual issue that no, I had found no other voice that was dealing with it. Yeah. And with Richard Kern, the first film we did was Right Side of My Brain, which to mm. me was an homage to Polanski's Repulsion. Yeah. Okay, and Kern just understood where I was coming from. And then when, when, when a few years later, we decided to do Fingered, which to me was a... First and foremost, we wanted to make a drive-in exploitation trailer, which yeah. is what we grew up on and loved. <laughs> yeah. But as most of my art, it had to reflect what really was going on in my life. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is I went back because Marty Nation, the star of it, mm -hmm. whose sister's house I will be at tomorrow in Ojai. Okay. Um, I had lived with him years before, and we did a lot of that shit that's in that film. Mm -hmm. And I was just trying to understand as somebody that didn't want to be as a as a – as we're all victims of trauma and abuse of one form or another, whether it's religious, financial, familial, that I didn't want to be just the victim on the wheel of my own victimization. I was trying to understand why my behavior was as it was. Mm -hmm. And to me, obsessions and taboo, there's no taboos, mm -hmm. but, and obsessions, if you understand them, as long as they're not driving you, go all the way with your obsessions. Mm -hmm. I'm in my early 20s. I want to know what's driving my death wish. Yeah. And hence, the making of Right Side of My Brain, the making of fingered which people have very different views on some think of it as a beer bar a beer blast frat party others think it's the most misogynist statement ever written karen finley left the screening vomiting everybody has a different opinion to me i wanted to show my dilemma mm -hmm. as somebody involved in this cycle of abuse where the victim becomes the victimizer right. and how do we break out of that and then paradoxia my book was kind of the culmination of all of that so it's mm -hmm. interesting to me when people come in sideways because i don't everybody has a different opinion about this film I and thank it. you for having seen it and you I probably came at it because you're a, a kinky little kitten and that you might have come well, at it yeah. from the kink point of view and i think i wanted to look like you and i think i wanted to Oh, I wanted to emulate the style of the film and the, you guys... Very post-Russ so Meyer. Yeah, but it was like very beautiful. Like um, That was important. Is it Nick Zed? Was that... Is no, that, Nick said was has nothing to do with it. Is it this. long leg? Long leg. Leg leg. I'm like, <laughs> That's great that you long get the, leg. The, the, a man confused for a girl. It's long leg that gets the final battery. Yeah, long leg is so gorgeous. <laughs> And the thing, yes, it's long leg. And the thing is, I mean, Marty and I, who were, you know, he was a, a, a young Mansonite. You know, uh -huh. he grew up in, the, in Topanga, Topanga Canyon. He's younger than the Mansons, of course, but he had the Charlie damage. Yeah. And we were together for two years. And actually, what's interesting about Marty Nation is this, Starfingered. When I was in, in New York, Marty Nation, I came out here to L.A. to promote Queen of Siam. Okay, this mm. was the early 80s. I had Eight-Eyed Spy at the time. Somebody told me to meet Marty. I was living with a maniac in New York. I met Marty. We fell in love. Marty drove cross-country in a baby brown shit Ford pickup truck to rescue me from a maniac, mm -hmm. drive me back to the West Coast, save my life. Okay? Marty and I are together for two years. Mm -hmm. We break up. The maniac from New York comes out here with heroin to get me. Mm -hmm. I leave the country to go work with the birthday party. Let me mm -hmm. finish this story. That was in 1982. Okay? Hurricane Sandy a year and a half ago. Okay? I had just contributed to Jerry Stahl's Heroin Chronicles. Oh, I'd only done heroin twice. Thank mm -hmm. you, Johnny O'Kane, the maniac Marty Nation rescued me from many, many years ago. I wrote him a story about Marty coming to rescue me. It was just published in the Heroin Chronicles. It's called Ghost Town. 
I had an industrial opera I had just written, no music, all the music, no lyrics called My Lover the Killer. And I had a treatment written for a screenplay I was writing called 511 East 12th Street, which was a building in New York City I'd lived in three times, twice with Johnny O'Kane, my lover during Teenage Jesus, who Marty Nation rescued me from. Okay, it's Hurricane Sandy one and a half years ago, exactly to the day, almost now, right? Mm-hmm. Almost exactly one and a half years ago. I land in New York to do my group Retrovirus, which is what I'm doing now, which is a retrospective with Bob Bird of Sonic Youth on drums, mm-hmm. Weasel Walter, one of the most amazing improv artists in the world, and Tim Dahl. We're doing Retrovirus, a retrospective of mummy music. We're beginning to rehearse Teenage Jesus Forward, and Bob Burt tells me, the day after I arrive from Hurricane Sandy, the last flight to get in on the international hotline, I'm in Greenpoint, there's no damage. Bob Burt says, oh, I friended Johnny O'Kane on Facebook. Now, I don't do Facebook or Twitter. I'm waiting for Askbook. You know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I go, why did you befriend Johnny O'Kane, who I had just am starting this treatment about, about my time in New York during the blackout of 77, which is when it begins, about this maniac that Marty Nation rescued me from. Why are you friends with him? I don't know. Well, tell him I'll be in L.A. on Friday. This is Sunday, the day of the hurricane. Uh-huh. I'll be in L.A. on Friday. I would love to see him because I've been researching him. He mm-hmm. went from a low-life uh, alcoholic Irish construction worker to now being the head of the San Pedro Union Labor Leader Construction Number 243, making good money. Mm-hmm. Sons of Anarchy has come out of the hall. Yeah. I'd love to see him. Tell uh-huh. him I still love him. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see him. See him on Friday. I get the message back on Tuesday, the day before Halloween. Wow. Full moon. Halloween tomorrow. Our anniversary the sweeping of a moment. Mm-hmm. I'll see you Friday. Friday, I am at where I will be tomorrow. Jane Handel's house, Marty Nation's sister's house, the man who rescued me from Johnny O'Kane. I'm waiting for Johnny to come and pick me up, mm-hmm. right? To see him after not seeing him for 20 years, after I wrote a story about him that's just been published. I have an opera written called My Lover the Killer that has no words. I have a treatment based on a screenplay I've since written about mm-hmm. our life together. And I get the call from Jim Sclavunis, who was in Teenage Jesus and Ed Spy and now Grinder Man and Bad Seeds. You won't be seeing Johnny. Why is that? Because it was Friday. And Johnny's Irish, and he's a construction worker. And after work, he got drunk, and he got into an argument with his girlfriend, probably about coming to see me. And he mm-hmm. chased her into the front yard, and he shot her twice. <gasps> and then he called the police, <gasps> and then he shot himself in the head, and he <gasps> died on his 55th birthday. Uh. <sighs> and now I finished the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I will be tomorrow, one year and a half exactly to the day, of this event happening. That's terrible. So That's I'm crazy. glad to be in Glendale with your company, Margaret. Yeah. That's how my life sometimes goes. Yeah, it really is, though. What? It really is. There were a story, and, and like, but it was such a time gap. Yes, a time in gap. In between it, you know. Yes, of course, my and, life but, happened. And it, but it's just as fucking crazy yes. at the end as it probably and was so in the rest of it. So my lover, the killer, needless to say, I yeah. wrote the lyrics. My right. lover, the killer. Right. I wrote the, the, first, the only lyric I had was called, I'm sorry, but I'm not. Right. I wrote the lyrics and I debuted it at the John Lennon Cultural Center in Limoges, France last January. But that's kind of how my life goes. Yeah. And you, you can understand why I am so damn happy to be alive. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is, it is a great thing. I think the... The fact I'm that you're optimist. alive, you, you will live. You're going to be one of those people who just well, let's survives. not don't 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 condemn me to eternal life here, honey. I mean, look, <laughs> I'm 55. I mean, we got another 10 or 20 years. I'm happy. It's good, but it's it's <laughs> I've like crammed a lot in. But you know that you've survived quite that that time that you were you're talking about in New York in the late 70s, early 80s was a very 
a difficult time to survive from. Not a lot of people lived. You know, New York, people don't really realize if they weren't there. And even I, I mean, even I'm shocked. You go back and you see pictures. It was Beirut. Yeah. First of all, the Lower East Side, they had purposely burned it out. They had shut down the police department and the fire department. They knew, as bankers do, they had a 30-year plan. Get rid of the rent control departments. Burn them out. It looked like Beirut. Mm-hmm. Let all, you know, get rid of all the scum rats. And then charge, as they do now, 3000 to $4,000 for a three-room apartment on the Lower East Side. Because those my first apartment in New York was $75 a month on the Lower East Side. Oh, my God. All right? Yeah. So burn out these scum rockers, these outcasts, these immigrants. Get rid of them. Cut the fire department and the police. It was a, it was a purposeful arson of the Lower mm-hmm. East Side. At the, and New York City was bankrupt. Nobody yeah. cared. It was the asshole of the universe. Mm-hmm. And that's why, what attracted so many of us from, you know, I came from upstate. A lot of people came from Cleveland, like the Cramps came from Ohio, mm-hmm. Miriam Lina, Bradley Field of Teenage Jesus. Um, people came from St. Petersburg, like the group Mars and DNA. Mm-hmm. People came from all over because New York was what Detroit is now. However, not many of us are flocking to Detroit now, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> But New York was a magnet at that point. And it's why, especially like, you know, post-television, Patti Smith, Richard Howe, which was the first wave of that. Yeah. You know, and I ran away to New York in 73 when I was 14. But I couldn't stay there. I had to go back and get money. (laughs) But I ran away for the New York Dolls. Oh, I saw them. So I went went for a little while. And then I went back and got money. And then I came back when I was 16, 17. Went to a club on 23rd Street. Wayne County was my pen pal. And I run into him the first night in New York as a runaway. See this hippie band playing, stalk the lead singer. They move me into an apartment right around the corner from Max's Kansas City as Kitty Bruce, Lenny Bruce's daughter, is mm-hmm. moving out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I move in. And I go to Max's two nights later, and Suicide is playing. Mm-hmm. My first friends in New York. Mm. And to tie that up, I just did a show for Alan Vega, who was too sick to do his own show in Lyon, France, one month ago, where I sang Harlem, Frankie Teardrop, Dream Baby Dream, Touch Me. I did an Alan Vega set with his music. That's incredible. what can I say? It was the best one of my life. It was That's really, really yes, it was amazing. That's the full circle we're talking. Yeah. Every, he was every, too sick to go. Every one of your stories, though, it's great because they have uh, many years later the great the great ending the great ending but it's got that yeah that separation of it's time very circular i mean that's life i mean we, this is you know when you understand the trajectory of time when you understand how history works when you understand the repetition mm-hmm. right of, of of chaos when you understand what chaos is mm. yeah and you comprehend it and you don't fear it and you go with it then you understand the completion of cycles and you can move on right you that's know, good, and, you and, can and I think move there's on. that connection with all those people too. Which even if it's if it's there's a bit of time in between, it all comes We've back g- together. Time is one long second that goes on forever. That's all <laughs> right. it is. I mean, we yeah. only chop it into small bite-sized chunks so we can comprehend it. It's one long second, man. It's all connected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the connective tissue. Yeah. So I mean, 15 years to us is a long time. 30 years. I don't. I don't even understand how I live to be 55. I think I'm still 17. Right. right. I still feel that too. Exactly. So, and what's funny is, so Big Sexy Noise, one of my raunchy hard rock bands that I have in in, in England, which is uh, James Johnston and Ian White, both, uh, James has played with Nick Cave and their, their band Kilgallen Drunk. We did some shows with Martin Rev a few years ago in Italy of Suicide. So Martin's playing with us, you know, he's doing his solo thing. And this was so funny. So I knew Martin Rev, I'm 17. He's given me liquid niacin. I'm younger than his son. We're talking 76, right? Mm-hmm. Martin Rev, when he goes to leave the, the big sexy noise van, he turns to the boys and goes, 
take good care of my little doll. Like, I'm still 17. I'm like, <laughs> I'm 53 years old. I know I look 17, but thank you, dolls. It's so amazing. So amazing. So amazing. That's great. So amazing. But everybody still has that relationship, though. That It doesn't matter Absolutely. where you are. They still feel yeah. the same way. Yeah. I'm, I'm still I'm still friends and close collaborators with almost everybody I've worked with. I mean, I just did a show. I just curated a Richard Kern retrospective in Malaga, Spain, of his mm-hmm. photography. And the group I put together to play, and again, I don't know if I could do this in America, was Thurston Moore, one of my oldest and dearest friends. Mm-hmm. Weasel Walter, who's been on 160 records, and his group Cellular Chaos, and he's with me in Retrovirus. James Johnson, a big sexy noise. And there we go. We're doing a half improv, half... Um, you know, have know when you what we're doing concert alongside the Richard Kern uh, exhibition I curated there and in Madrid. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the kind of stuff again I can do there. But I go back. I mean, Thurston's one of my dearest friends. Mm-hmm. He's living in London now because he knows he's got to live there too in order to get cool well, shit happening in New York now. I mean, there's still a lot of those people there, but it's it's like. It, is it that society doesn't care anymore? I mean, if I, I, one of the big things, like when CBGB, when, when they couldn't stay there anymore, because basically, what did they want to put in a, a oh, well, t-shirt did, shop or something like that? What they did put in is a high fashion shop. And actually, the guy, John Varnos, who took it over, at first I was reticent too, but I have to say, he puts on concerts once a month uh-huh. of really incredible people, all different kinds for free, and he's done the best that he could with it, because mm-hmm. only something like that could afford the outrageous rents that are now there. Yeah. And everything has a time... I mean, CBGB, to me, it should have closed 20 years before. That's uh-huh. just my opinion. Right. right. You know, it was over. So I'm not one for nostalgia, but I'm one for history. Right. I'm one for... The connection. I'm one for collaboration. I'm one for you know who your family is, especially creatively, and those are the people you go back to. Mm-hmm. But New York now, I left New York in 1990 for good. Let's not forget. I mean, I went from New York, like I said, I spent some years in LA and then London, went back to New York. But when I was done with New York, I went to New Orleans for two years. I went to San Francisco for two years where I taught at the San Francisco Art Institute. Yeah. I went to Pittsburgh for four years, which I loved. I took a survey on tour and Pittsburgh won because I don't care where I live. I mean, I live where collaborators are, where uh-huh. the architecture is, where I can afford to live at the time. I like your New, New Orleans phase. I like the that New seemed, Orleans phase. That seemed to be, to be right. I, li- I went know? from New York to New Orleans, and that's where I did Shotgun Wedding with Roland S. Howard. Yeah. I lived there for two years, but, you know, Cancer Alley. And so, I mean, I move for collaborators a lot of the time. I move for what I can afford to live in. So living in Pittsburgh for four years could afford me to move back to Glendale, mm-hmm. right, which is when we hooked up, yeah. because I came back here to work with Jerry Stahl and Hubert Selby. Mm-hmm. And then after four years, in um in LA you know then then it was time for me to go to Barcelona for the pit. I made a pentagram across the country that's what <laughs> I did I literally made a pentagram of movement but um you know I'm nomadic I feel I don't feel I feel I live in my body this mm-hmm. is a hotel full of many monsters it goes where I go I'm very comfortable everywhere I don't speak Spanish or Catalan mm-hmm. which is my saving grace because it's just music to me yeah. I, if you want to communicate, I want to communicate, but I don't want to hear everything everybody is saying, mm-hmm. and they don't need to hear everything I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. It's not necessary. Yeah. That, that might be the key for everybody getting to, to, along if they don't know if what anybody's music, saying. If it's music, it's not annoying. <laughs> <laughs> or wait a second, I'll take that back. In this case, <laughs> but I mean, I I I was just um, talking to Jim about Blank Generation. That and the, the I mean, it, it's like for me. Um, watching you through that 
era, it's so interesting. It just seems like everybody was just in love with you. They were just wanting to please you. Maybe it's because I was in love with myself and still am. And I wish yeah. more people were. Mm-hmm. And this is what we were just discussing earlier too yeah. is, you know, and it's when I, when I teach these workshops I'm teaching, I mean, I think it's, and I, I was such, I'm such a cunt. I love to say this from the stage. You know, I don't, I don't, do not live for applause. That's why I love spoken word. There's no room for applause. I'm really, I'm not there for your applause. That doesn't, that's not why I'm there. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, with music, it's annoying. People always applaud after every song. And I'm like, please, please. Or when they say, I love you, Lydia. I'm like, darling, you will never love me as much as I love myself. Please get in line. <laughs> and I don't mean that with arrogance. I mean that we should all love ourselves more. Mm-hmm. We got to find that way to love ourselves because it's like pleasure and our self-love is so much of what's stolen from us in the first place by right. tyrannical parents or poverty mm-hmm. or religion. Right. I think we really need to get back to that. So, I mean, yes, I guess, you know, look, everybody love me. Thank you. I hope they still but do. So many- <laughs> I'm very loving though yeah. as well. Yeah. I'm very loving. Right. And people that don't know me think, I mean, they have this mystery. They think that I'm this raging bitch. They think I'm impossible to deal with. You know, the, the image of me that people want to manufacture for their own safety. Anybody that spends, I call the merchandise table the kissing booth. I'm like motherfucking India. Mm-hmm. They come to buy a t-shirt, <laughs> they need the hug. I'm yeah. happy to supply. Anybody yeah. that looks in my eyes and knows me knows that the, the, the terrifying image they've created about who they think I am is their own fear. It's not me. Mm-hmm. It's not me. I'm very loving. But so they love me because I love good. them. No, I, I think it's also lo- a mother image. Love but, you know, baby. Like a, it's like a goddess calling. Ooh, <laughs> love to love you, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, and I have loved some good. Well, I have done some loving, honey. Yes. Some loving? Oh, I've done some love. I'm not done loving. But no. it's a fierce goddess. <laughs> if loving you is wrong, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> but the goddess Kali's the most loving. Well, exactly. Because she has to destroy and create. Whoever creates demands destruction. Yeah. So that's a good, for. I think that's a good example. It's a good icon. Not a problem. It's a good, it's a good an image to have. Darling, you can call me what you will. I'm here now and I plan to stay here. So <laughs> it's really good. And you know, any, like I said, anybody that knows me or spends five minutes, they know who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, they know part of who I am. There's many me's, like there's many Kali's, like there's many you. Right. But I mean, and who do we seek anyway? I'm seeking open people that are creative and that want life. That's Mm -hmm. who I'm seeking, in spite of the fact that I was obsessed by death for many years and decades. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's part of when you understand it from a non-Western method, you understand the full circle and cycle of this creation and destruction, the love and the hate. And, you know, my hatred, which has always been on a very huge level, mm-hmm. I never argue with anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't ever have a fight. I've never thrown a plate in, in disagreement, mm-hmm. honestly. I mean, I'm a bit more sociopathological than that, but I've never, I don't get mad because my anger or my hatred is on so much of a grander scale. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty easy to fucking get along with. And basically, my opinion about people is, I accept you how you are. And if you want to be an asshole, you can be an asshole. I can take it or I can walk away, but I'm not going to tell you how to be. Yeah. I'm going to accept. And I think that's why I can get along with a lot of people because mm-hmm. basically I just want to encourage them to be exactly how they are yeah. and find a place, that sacred place, which is what art is, where all bullshit is outside of, mm-hmm. where you create something that would not exist unless you came together at that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as the grand collaborator, there we go. I love it. I love it. I love that. I love and my life. I like that this idea also of being um, nomadic and, and then also going to Europe and like like you were talking about Ken Ken Stringfellow. He's you know left uh, the Pacific Northwest now and he lives does he in, live Paris? in Paris. Oh, yeah. I see him all the time. He's in Barcelona all the time. I was hanging out with him a few weeks. I, and again, Ken Stringfellow is one of the of the posies, and it was with Big Star, one of the people who I 
maybe is only, I have cattle prodded into doing their first spoken word shows. I can't even picture him doing Oh, it was great. Word. It was amazing. Oh, he's so talented. He's so talented. So I also, Ron Athey, mm-hmm. Ken Stringfield, Vincent Gallo, Nick Cave, mm-hmm. Bibby Hansen. These are just a few of the people that stuck, that stood to the spoken word stage for the first time under my cattle prod. That's good. And it's good. Yeah. It's good. Because to me, word is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. The word, no matter what you decorate it with. My photographs have titles that are important. Mm-hmm. Because to me, it will always, it always has been about the word. That's why I still prefer, as I'm doing tonight, at Lethal Amounts and various other... I love the naked spoken word. Mm-hmm. It's the most intimate form of communi- communication. It's what you do. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, it's what you do. Yeah. And we're like, you know, the, we're almost the, just like different sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. We deal with a lot of the same issues. Mm-hmm. And you come at it with humor. And I think I'm pretty fucking funny. Yeah. But I do come at it from the, the, the tragic side. Mm-hmm. Because because somebody has to, and that has to be me. Right, so, right. Although we know, we're laughing. We when we're together, laughing. we're fucking laughing. Hey, no problem. <laughs> you know I'm fucking funny. I do. And, and, and brilliant and a pro, prolific. And so now, um, where, where, how long do we get you in America now? We're, we're going to get to do okay. some things like you're doing shows tonight and then. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm bouncing as a nomad, as a, as a, as a, as a nomad at this point, I'm bouncing around. I'm doing a lot of things right now. So I'm planning on being in the States and mainly New York, but also LA based about one week out of every month for the next few months. That's so now good. I'm here now. So I'm in LA now. I'm going up to Ojai. I'll be in New York. I've got a few big things I'm pitching in New York. And then I'll be going to back to Europe for a month to do some uh, Cypress Grove shows, which is a new record I have on now called Fistful of Desert Blues. Some shows, solo poetry in Barcelona, a show with this uh, avant violinist called Mia Zabelka at the Vienna Pop Culture uh, Festival. Then I'll come back for a week, and then I'm going to South America, which I'm very excited oh, about. I'm going to Colombia, which um, th- that's my new target. Odd, I need yeah. to get to South America because yeah, I've been great. in Europe for a long time. But I think that they read a lot. The art's really happening there, so I'm going to come back for a week, then go to South America, come back for a week, go back to Europe. I'm just going to keep. I'm just going to be like coming. Yeah, one one week a month because I got some things I'm pitching here. One yeah, one, one thing I'm pitching. Is um, you know it's and my ret- the full circle cycle of this thing. So the main priority I'm doing now is retrovirus. My group I told her, and this came about because my friend Caesar Padilla put out a, a t-shirt book called Ripped. Mm-hmm. I don't wear t-shirts, but I wrote the introduction. From that, the L- Los Angeles uh, Museum of Design asked for a concert. So I put together Retrovirus, which was really fun for me because so much of my music nobody's ever heard live. Mm -hmm. And to go back from Teenage Jesus, Shotgun Wedding, Eight-Eyed Spy, Queen of Siam, all up to the present with this group of incredible musicians, Bob Bird of Sonic Youth, Weasel Walter, Tim Dahl. So we did it just for that, and then we just kept doing it. Mm -hmm. So from this kind of... I, I don't want to say, it's not like a no-wave revival, but it starts in the no-wave, the music. And to me, mm-hmm. you know, the definition of no-wave, which is what I'm out of, I was never punk. I, I'm no-wave. I never did anything punk except for look punky. I ain't no punky punk. I consider myself more Dada, more surrealist, and more fluxus, even situationist, a, mm-hmm. more of an art-based movement. Um, and so so to me, it's, I'm kind of having this no-wave revival, which means to me, when no-wave started in the late 70s, it was about musicians, filmmakers, painters, coming together, all doing all different kinds of things, putting them in shows, curating them, and everybody just cross-pollinating. Mm-hmm. And I think that time is now, and it's one reason I'm coming back to the States. Oh, good. You know, I'm curating a lot of shows. I'm, I'm putting together th- uh, events here and there. And so I'm coming back full force. And one of the things I'm pitching is a tenement 
redone during the blackout of 1977 New York mm-hmm. and what it looked like. For mm-hmm. instance, a hip-hop gallery, the yeah. rehearsal room, mm-hmm. the apartments of people, what my apartment smelt like in 77, honey. That's what mm-hmm. I want to bring you into Wow! <laughs> during the blackout. So I'm, I'm kind of having this no-wave you know, revitalization, which to me means, again, bringing people of different um, experience and mediums together. Rem Coolhouse, the architect, is involved. Mm-hmm. Thurston Moore is involved. So again, bringing people of different disciplines together to do projects. That's one of the things I'm working on. Oh, that's exciting. And with that would come a book called City as Asylum, which would be a compendium of extreme New York from 75 to 85, dealing with the architect. I want to cover the crime like Jimmy Breslin, because mm-hmm. the crime in New York, there were 30,000 cars stolen from New York City in, Jul- in the summer of 77 all shipped to Kuwait by one mafia family. Mm. This is the summer of Sam. This is when the first child appeared on a milk carton in New York. Mm -hmm. This was when 3,500 people were arrested during the blackout. We need to go back. This is when hip-hop culture started. Mm -hmm. The blackout of 77. All of the electronic stores were looted. DJ culture formed. Mm -hmm. Wow. Amazing. So anyway, I think that this the real ripe history of what so much sprang from, whether it was hip-hop, graffiti, no wave, the films that sprouted really needs attention and not just attention from crappy shit like the CBGB movies or punk couture at MoMA. We need a voice that was there from boy other yeah. voices as well. So I'm kind of rallying the troops to try to make some kind of definitive document, mm-hmm. you know, and, and something that's, you know, very visual, visceral, and physical. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm here to do. Bust a goddamn move. Just smear it all over the page. That sounds great. And that's fun. And I think because people are interested that weren't yeah, there. Yeah, of course. You know, the, the first apartment I had was $75 a month in New York City. The guy had, had electrocuted himself with his TV, killed himself, burnt a hole in an African painting that was on the wall. His dog ate his face off. It smelt of death. They said, we'll give you the apartment if you can get rid of the smell of death. I'm like, let me try. I go to the botanica around the corner. I buy a bottle of poison with a skull and crossbones on it for $2. I put it on the blood stain. Smell is gone. Apartment is mine. $75. However, 12th Street between B and C, two burnt out buildings beside me, garbage piles six feet high on the way. Did I care? $75 a month, honey. Mm -hmm. I'm in. Yeah. And I lived in that same building three times like some kind of curse I couldn't Mm -hmm. escape with Johnny O'Kane, the murderer suicider. Mm Mm-hmm. Here we are now. <laughs> well, where can people find out? Now you're not um, you're you're not totally offline because I know no, you have no, a website. Have, my website is lydialunchofficial.com. It's a really nice site. Uh, thank you very much. It's, it's a really beautiful. it's a really it's a, it's a very informative site, and people can find out about all the different the things you're doing. Workshops and all of this, and and you know, and so these are the, the latest projects that I have going now that people can go out and sniff around for is Retrovirus, as I was just talking about, mm-hmm. Fistful of Desert Blues with Cypress Grove, which just came out this month on MVD Distributors, and Cypress Grove did Jeffrey Lee Pierce's last tour with him before he died, and in the mm-hmm. Interim has in the last few years done three tribute records, which Nick Cave and Mark Lanigan and Debbie Harry and Iggy Pop and myself are on three tribute albums to Jeffrey Lee Pierce of the Gun Club, unreleased songs. Mm -hmm. And from that, from me being on these tribute records, uh, Cypress Grove, the man in charge, have just released our own album called A Fistful of Desert Blues. Kind of my post-Shotgun Wedding, inner Bobby Gentry, very sexy stuff. So that's out. And... um, you know, just all kinds of stuff like that. Just working it, working it, working it. Yeah, you really are. 
You are, which I'm grateful for. Thank you so much for joining us Thank today. Thank you so much to be here. I'm, I'm so happy to be back in the house, and I can't wait to claim my 10% of the room in Glendale. You got it. You got it. <laughs> I'm so you glad I inspired your sister, because you inspire me. <laughs> you here inspire me so much. <laughs> Thank you. Jim, you're not too bad either there, baby. You're not bad there. You're <laughs> not bad I'm either. hanging in. Maybe we should uh, call the Blue Room uh, unofficially the, the Lydia Lunch <laughs> Studio. Yeah, yeah oh, this yeah, will be nice. the Lydia Lunch oh, Studio. I love it. Because if listeners know, we're in the Blue Room a lot. But I think from okay. now on, it's the Lydia Lunch Studio. Now it's the Lydia Lunch Studio. We're going to do the intro to that again then. That, then we oh. are in the Lydia Lunch Studio. And um, you can reach me on uh, Twitter, at Margaret Cho. And where can they reach you? At Jimmy Shelter. You can reach both of us at Monsters of Talk. We are every Monday on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can subscribe. You should also write us a review and check us out on our YouTube channel, um, which is? Uh, YouTube.com slash Monsters of Talk. We've got a lot of... A lot of behind-the-scenes video, video with a lot of our, uh, our guests and some animations and all kinds of cool stuff. We're it's everywhere. really great. And well, anytime they want to touch me, they should just touch themselves first and I'll be there. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lydia. And Thank thanks, you, doll. Thanks so much for listening. We love our listeners. Thank you.